Which book will give that to me? I will give you all my business. Welcome back to another episode of Stacking Denny's. I'm Jordan McAbee of FantasyRacingOnline.com. My co-host, Nick Giffen of the Action Network, Joey Logano in victory lane at Gateway, beats Kyle Busch on a final restart. Nick, we were talking about Joey Logano a little over a month ago saying, you know, he doesn't have any playoff points. All of a sudden, he's he's in the double-digit column for uh, or has double-digit playoff points now after his second win in the last four races. Um a lot of ever, a lot of different stories though coming out of Gateway. First, you know, another short flat track that's dominated by Penske and uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. There's nothing that you know was surprising there. And then um, the whole Ross Chastain, you know, wrecking Chase Elliott, wrecking Denny Hamlin, them getting payback. That whole narrative moving forward, plus the fact that it was another short track race where passing was almost impossible after the restart, which I fully, you know, I get why Chastain was racing the way that he did because you had to, like he, you, you had to be that aggressive. He's, we already know that Chastain is very aggressive race car driver overall, and it's going to come back and bite him. I have no doubt that he's going to get payback and Denny Hamlin and Chase Elliott, maybe not Chase Elliott because Chase Elliott's a pussy, but Denny Hamlin's going to pay back Ross Chastain some point in this season. There's been a lot of talk, and, and you and I have been, you know, talking on with people on Twitter about whether that payback could happen this week, whether it's going to happen down the line. We're both on the side of it's going to happen down the line. We don't see that happening, like anything major happening here at Sonoma this upcoming weekend. But the fact of the matter is, you know, I I feel like Ross Chastain had to race that way. He had a very fast race car. I think it was part of the the racing, but overall, you know, eighty four percent of the people in Jeff Gluck's poll said that that was a good race. Do you agree? Did we learn anything from Gateway that we can that can we move or that we can use moving forward? What what's your, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I'm a, I'm actually going to disagree with you a little bit. I thought you could pass after even after the restart. It's just not for the lead again. Um, although I will say Joey Logano and, and Kyle Busch had a great battle for the lead there at the end, and I think it was possible to pass for the lead even after the restart. It was just very hard to, but there was a lot of passing throughout the field, in my opinion. Even after restarts, we saw three and four, five, four wide multiple times, even beyond the restart. So I think Ross just made some mistakes. I don't think he had to, you know, be aggressive and, and do that. I think he just screwed up a couple times. And I think he's, you saw his interview, he's pissed with himself. Uh, he knows he screwed up, not just once, but twice. But we are on the same page in that. I think this payback thing is blown out of proportion as it relates to Sonoma. Uh, the payback's not coming this week, y'all. It's just not. Anybody who says so doesn't understand how payback works in this sport. It's usually not the next race. It's, you know, what Denny did with Ross at, at Gateway makes sense. You know, kind of blocked him, harassed him a little bit, but didn't dump him. But he's waiting for that opportune moment to dump him. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where it makes no sense to dump him at Gateway. He's already locked into the playoffs with two wins. Ross Chastain, I mean, obviously Denny is locked in with two wins as well. So it's not going to hurt Ross if you dump him at Gateway. Uh, you know, it, it, and it's also one of those things where it doesn't really hurt Denny either because Denny has two wins. But at the same time, you're still racing to try to win. You're still racing to maybe grab a few extra playoff points. 
So that's certainly why Denny's miffed. But the biggest impact to Ross Chastain will be if you make his life difficult in the playoffs. And that's where I think we're going to see it. So, you know, we were talking, I was tweeting about how the big, even the fastest turnaround times were two or three races. And that was, again, in the playoffs, right? It was usually at the shorter flat tracks, the Martinsville's, the Phoenix, where the payback occurred. So I don't think we're seeing anything this weekend at Sonoma. Yeah, I don't know. I, I admittedly did not watch a ton of that race. Um, I was actually surprised that Joey Logano won it because I got a tweet that there was like a the restart for overtime, and I was like, "Oh, Kyle Busch has this in the bag." And then I saw Logano win it. I was like, "Did he wreck him? Like, you know, did Logano wreck for the win again, or what? What the hell happened there?" But, um, but yeah, the the whole payback thing. I get people love the narratives, and we love seeing the payback, like. When Kenseth wrecked Logano at Martinsville, everybody loved it. Like uh, when Harvick tried to wreck Chase Elliott at um, was it what was it Charlotte Road Course last year? Like people like to see that. Like we love the narrative, but the fact of the matter is, it's just not going to happen this week. And like, and watch this be the one race where you know Hamlin slightly bumps uh, Chastain. You know because. It, it, getting together at a road course is certainly possible. Like there's tons of tight turns. Like there's plenty of opportunity, but as far as like a full out dumping, unless it's for like maybe the win, I could see Hamlin maybe doing that. Like, you know, dumping Chastain for the win. But even then I don't think it's going to happen. Um, and what are the odds that Hamlin's right behind Chastain at the end of the race there? Like it's pretty damn low. You're, we're talking a really far out there scenario for, for that to happen. Right. Um, you know, looking at the, the point standings now 15 races in we got 11 until the playoffs uh, are officially set playoff points Chastain's leading the way as long with William Byron with 13 Denny Hamlin has 12 playoff points Logano's there at 11 the race for the regular season title is heating up quite a bit though Chase Elliott had a huge lead I feel like a couple weeks ago it's down to nine over Kyle Busch Ross Chastain sitting in third 17 points behind and then Ryan Blaney Martin Truex Jr. top five um we still have, you know, a few notable guys that don't have wins this year. Uh, Martin Truex Jr., Ryan Blaney, Christopher Bell. Could definitely see those guys competing this week at Sonoma, especially Bell. He's kind of like a uh, like an outsider, I'd say, or a, or a sleeper pick at, at road courses, even though he really shouldn't be because he's so good. Plus, that team's just running incredibly well. Um, but it's definitely, you know, Kyle Busch is leading the way in – the, it doesn't seem like it. Like this is surprising to me. Just looking at these numbers, he's leading the way in average finish this year and top tens. Uh, only has six playoff points, so only has one win. Um, but definitely, you know, the consistency in Kyle Busch is is there. A couple more wins, and we could be talking about him being the favorite for the championship. Oh yeah, I I certainly agree. You know, he <laughs> he's just been phenomenal this year the biggest reason he's behind chase elliott is because of those stage points he's got 45 fewer stage points than chase elliott stage you know stage elliott chase elliott and what might call him stage elliott at this point uh with the way he's racking up those stage points but uh yeah that's really what's uh kept chase in the lead but you're right chase elliott had over a one full race lead mm-hmm. prior to kansas so especially right after dover and darlington you know, he won it at Dover and then he finished fifth at Darlington. Since then, three straight finishes outside the top 20 for Chase Elliott. And I kind of made this point today in a tweet about Martin Truex Jr., maybe even Ryan Blaney. 
and and this kind of goes to your point about you know you were saying Blaney tricks Bell winless will they contend for the win at Sonoma? They might actually have the points race because yeah. What if we get other winners? What if Tyler Reddick wins? What if Kevin Harvick wins? What if Daniel Suarez wins? Right? All of a sudden, that cut line for the playoffs creeps up on them. And what if they have a Chase Elliott streak of the last three races here? Where they have a 29th, a 33rd, and a 21st. All of a sudden, they're right near the cut line. So we're almost at the point where even guys inside the top five in points who are winless might have to think about points racing, which is kind of crazy. You wouldn't normally say that, but with the amount of winners we've had this year and with the way the field is so condensed this year, it's certainly possible that we could be talking Truex or Blaney, Christopher Bell especially, sitting there 10th of points, points racing this weekend instead of taking that optimal strategy of pitting right before the stage end yeah. to uh, you know then get track position after the end of stage two and, and be out front for stage three. So it kind of mentally bumps me down a little bit on guys like Christopher Bell. And I know we're obviously kind of getting a little bit into Sonoma, but just in terms of the standings, it mentally bumps me down a little bit for a guy like Christopher Bell to win or be a sleeper pick this weekend at Sonoma. Mm -hmm. And that's the weird thing, you know, and and we'll get to Sonoma soon, but that's the weird thing about road courses is you take the strategy of either racing for points or racing for the win. Like as weird as that sounds, it's not very often that the two strategies align to where you're going to do both. And we saw it with Daniel Suarez at Circuit of the Americas earlier this year. He had the best car to start the race. He took the strategy of wanting to win the stage. He got, you know, stuck back in traffic. He got hit on the, uh, the next restart and that ruined his day. And he probably had the best car that day. I'm not even going to lie. Like, um, obviously Chastain ended up winning it, but Suarez would have been right there all day if, if, if they would have kept that car up. So, um, that's a very good point as far as, you know, handicapping this, this road course coming up. And, and we have one, you know, one road course this year race so far to, that we can take data out of. Um, and circuit of the Americas was that one. That was the one where, you know, AJ Allmendinger, Alex Bowman, Ross Chastain were fighting at the end. Uh, Allmendinger ended up finishing 33rd after getting spun out by Chastain. Um, but you know, Bowman's another guy that, all of a sudden he can race on road courses. You know, um, it used to be the days with road courses where uh, we knew who was like top tier elite, like not nobody's touching them. Like Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson last year, nobody could touch them. Martin Truex Jr. used to be up there. I even feel now, even with not even due to this car, I feel like even last year we saw these this field get a hell of a lot closer when it comes to road courses and who's good. Like even guys that were never good at road courses like Austin Dillon, suddenly he's like competing for top 15s, top 10s. So um, we can just go go ahead and get right into Sonoma if you want. Like I, Do you have anything else to talk about with Gateway? Yeah, I mean, I guess the only other thing I would uh, reference as far as Gateway is just um, – it, it, and it kind of goes it, – it also goes into to Sonoma a bit is just – you were talking about the playoffs, the point standings, et cetera. Joey Logano, two wins. We're sitting here, if we're looking at the playoffs themselves, playoff strategy, we've got Ross Chastain on 13 playoff points, William Byron on 13 playoff points, uh, Denny Hamlin on 12, and Joey Logano on 11. Those are our four two-time winners right now. Mm-hmm. And those are the only four with double digits, obviously. You're guaranteed to have double digits if you win twice, barring a penalty that takes away playoff points. Uh, those are only four guys in double digits. The next closest is Chase Elliott with eight. Um, but 
these playoffs are like Kyle Larson at this point last year had like 30 something, maybe 40 something playoff points, right? This is absolutely bananas how flat this right field now. is. Yeah. Yeah. And Kyle Larson is six. You're right. It's so, and that, and it's funny because, you know, we, we mentioned those four guys with double digit wins, then Chase Elliott, then Kurt Busch with seven, and then there's a whole host of people with six. So it's totally flat here. Um, but those four guys that have double digit playoff points are absolutely guaranteed locked in. Uh, you know, there, there's a hundred percent chance they are going to be in the playoffs. So they can race for the win. And when we start talking about Sonoma, I have some very strong thoughts on these four drivers because I think uh, it sets up really well for all four of them. But um, as far as gateway, Joey Logano, man, he's so good at winning these new tracks, right? It's so weird. It's, it's it is insane. so weird. <laughs> and then Daniel Suarez, for some reason, have these new tracks down. Now, Suarez didn't have a great day at gateway, and I didn't think he would. But uh, and look at the two tracks Joey Logano won this year. They're both the egg-shaped tracks. One was yes. highly banked and one was flat banked. But the two egg-shaped about a mile and a quarter, a mile and a third, right in that distance. For some reason, Joey Logano came out on top. And guess who wrote up Joey Logano 10 to 1 in his Action Network article the day of the race? Yours truly. I am I'm so sad I did not tail that. Because it made so much sense. Like Blaney was so fast. We know Penske's good on, on short flat tracks. What was it? Yeah, ten to one on, on race day? Like I just uh, Yeah, I had to get it in the, you know, the self pat on the back there because right. we're on a two race, well at least I am on a two race winning streak after your favorite driver, Denny Hamlin, won at the Coca-Cola six hundred. Mm-hmm. And and you know, going back to Gateway and and the actions there of Denny Hamlin, I can't believe. Now, obviously, I used to hate Denny Hamlin with a passion. I've seen so many people during that race and after saying he should have been parked for what he did, and I don't think even during my my ultra hatred of Denny Hamlin that I would say that. Like and. It just keeps sticking out to me because it wasn't just a few people. I saw like probably between Facebook and Twitter, I probably saw 50 people saying that Denny Hamlin should have been parked. And I'm like, what are you talking about? How can you sit there and say that Denny Hamlin needs to be parked? Like that is just absolutely bananas to me. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Um, he didn't do anything. He didn't. I don't even think he touched Chastain. He just blocked the crap out of him. Yeah. And I've never seen anybody get parked for blocking i don't even think i've seen a penalty for blocking like blocking is part of nascar it, it, it might be different in formula one might be different in indycar Blocking's a part of nascar and getting in people's way is a part of nascar and i've never in the history of nascar that i can remember and i watch a shit ton of nascar i remember all sorts of crazy stuff and i'm sure somebody will point out something that i missed here but i don't remember a penalty for blocking without contact. If, if Let you're going to get a parking, if you're going to get penalized or or parked for blocking, then Ryan Newman wouldn't have a career. Like right. this is, it, I just I don't get it whatsoever. It's very. I think it's just because it was Denny Hamlin. Yeah, like I, I agree. people like to hate Denny Hamlin, and when he does something, you know, not entirely in line, they react like that because nobody was saying, you know, Chase Elliott should be parked when he was was it him or hamlin that actually spun chastain uh, or like put him into the wall 
Chase Elliott bumped Chastain and Chastain kind of got really high on the track. And then yeah, 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 Hamlin yeah. like kind of tag team came up near Chastain, but didn't touch him, just kind of slowed him down even more. So, um, so if anybody in that situation is going to get parked, it should have been Chase. Like, because mm-hmm. he actually did something. It's yeah. yeah. I, no, I agree with you. And here's the other thing. You know, we talk about how NASCAR, these drivers are so bland or whatever. Denny Hamlin's shown some fire. Like, oh, yeah. Chastain stuff. Remember the, the Bowman thing where he put his car right up next to Bowman after the Martinsville race at the end of last year. Mm-hmm. Denny Hamlin's the one that's kind of getting into things and, and showing a little bit of fire, showing some personality. Uh, and he's also been shown personality on Twitter, whether, whether people like it or not, you know, every sport needs a heel. Uh, and Denny Hamlin plays the heel for a lot of people. And obviously Chase Elliott, you know, is the baby face, but they kind of got, they kind of, this is like almost WWE style. I was going like, to say, I'm loving the this. Heel and the baby face this. came together to uh take on a third party but no i mean i i like obviously i've been a denny hamlin fan he's not my favorite driver in the world and i have maybe i would say in the past year or two gone more sour on him but i've gone less sour on him the past several weeks because i think he's kind of you know really kicked this sport up a notch in terms of what he's doing in the ownership level what he's doing for the future of nascar you know especially him and justin marks and now it's funny because those two We've talked about as like the owners of the future, along with Keselowski, and now Justin Marks and Denny Hamlin had a little thing on Twitter because, right, Justin Marks owns Ross Chastain's car. Yeah. So you know, it's just it's it's nice WWE style drama, and it's good for the sport. So it's getting people talking, even if they're talking out of their ass. It's getting people talking. Right. Speaking of WWE, shout out Liv Morgan. It's her birthday today. She's my favorite. She's my favorite wrestler. I know, I know. I was going to say, I saw that. Uh, I think you retweeted it or something. But Liv has been all over my timeline lately. And not just Liv Morgan, but the Liv Golf thing. Yes. Uh, there's a, a poker player named Liv, and it's the World Series of Poker. All I've seen on my timeline, I feel like, is the word of the name Liv. So I don't know what the hell is going on. But, uh, yeah, happy birthday to your favorite wrestler there. Uh, and, yes, she did give you a hug. I remember that. She did, yes. And my uh, my TikTok that I made with a sign of hers that I made has like 120,000 views on it as nice. of tonight. It's, it's pretty cool. But all right, so we're heading to Sonoma, um, road course number two of the season. Like I said before, uh, Ross Chastain in victory lane at Circuit of the Americas. Uh, Sonoma, you know, like I said, we have – the guys that we know are very good at road courses. Chase Elliott is the best, by far, the best racer at road courses. He has yet to figure out, in my opinion, uh, Sonoma. He's only led 16 laps here in his career. Finished second here last year. He's never won a stage. Um, I think his win is coming here. But as far as the odds this week, he obviously opened as the favorite, you know, Bet Jim has them as at plus 450. And so does Caesars. We know they get the, both of those uh, books get pretty short on the favorites, but Chase Elliott, uh, best odds right now, six to one, Kyle Larson, seven and a half to one. And then it goes, you know, Truex 10 to one, Kyle Busch 10 to one, Almendinger at 14, uh, Chastain at 12, Cindric at 14, Hamlin at 16, uh, Blaney at 16, Bell at 18. I'm, feel like this is the week that there is 
I could see myself betting more than just a couple drivers like I normally do and kind of spreading it around. I already have two bets in. I took Chastain at 12 to 1 just because when uh, lines opened up, that w- that just stug- stood out to me as not making much sense. Like he had the best car at Circuit of the Americas. Uh, it's the only data we have to go on for a road course data from this year. He's fast every single week. Um, so I had to jump all over that. That's the Jordan jinx this week. It's Ross Chastain, 12 to one. I also, uh, I followed you and Jim on Byron just because I didn't even see him at 33 to one until you tweeted it. And I was like, how is he 33 to one? Because yeah, Byron doesn't get the finishes at road courses, but he has the cars. Hendrick cars are fast at road courses. And we saw Alex Bowman almost win at circuit of the Americas. William Byron can do the same thing. The guy can qualify. He's always qualified really well at road courses. It's always just the actual racing that he messes up. Plus, going to your narrative of him having two wins, he can race specifically for the win this weekend. So I love I got I got in on Byron at 25 to 1. I'm not happy with myself about that, but still grabbed him at 25 to 1. I felt like there was value there. He was there at 33 to 1. Uh who else is piquing your interest this week as far as, you know, kind of like a I, in my mind, there's a ton of long shots this week just because of how the books have this set up. Yeah, I agree. And, um, <clears throat> you know, as far as Byron goes, well, let's start with him because Jim has Byron in the five to five and a half percent range to win. My model has Byron even higher. Um, it has Byron at 6.8%, point one away from nicest percent ever. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so... Both of us show value on Byron, even at 25 to 1. You know, Jim, I think the break even for Byron is around 1800, let's say, uh, 18 to 1. And my break even is even lower than that. It's around um, you know, like 14 or 15 to 1, something like that. So even 25 to 1 is fine. But my favorite bet, and I'm sure you saw this, is the top Chevy bet I made on Byron mm-hmm. 18 to 1 for top Chevy. Dude, like I said, Jim's model is more con- more. I shouldn't say conservative. It's 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 a little lower on Byron than mine is, and he has Byron eighteen to one to win as break even, let alone top Chevy. That means we get essentially removing all the Fords and removing all the Toyotas, which have a lot of good road course racers. And all of a sudden, we're just looking at the Chevys, and Byron is eighteen to one there. And that makes yeah, no sense. DraftKings had the same bet at eight to one. My model showed break even on that seven twenty five, so seven seven and a quarter to one, and Jim's show break even at seven to one. So we were more in lines with DraftKings. So we got two statistical modelers and DraftKings that all are showing in that same ballpark for Byron and BetMGM's at eighteen to one for top Chevy. I plugged it into a Kelly Criterion calculator, which is. For those of you who don't know, Kelly Criterion is a way to determine what your bet size should be on a bet given the size of the edge that you have. So you, if you plug in like a, you know, a probability of winning, let's say we're giving Byron a 6% chance to win. Let's average mine and Jim's model and give him a 6% chance to win. And you plug in 6% and then you plug in what his odds are. So 18 to 1, there's an implied probability with that, um, You know, whatever 1 divided by 19 is, so little over 5% or sorry, a little over 4%. You can essentially calculate, um, you know, these, these implied probabilities. Oh, I, I said six to one to win. I meant um, for, for top Chevy, it was 12 and a half, 12, 12 and a half percent. 
versus like 5%. So more than double, and you can plug those in, you can plug in your bankroll, et cetera. uh, And you can use something called, instead of full Kelly criterion, which optimizes bankroll growth, uh, but is a little more risky. If you do like half Kelly, you basically divide that by half. If you do quarter Kelly, you divide that by four. Uh, I did quarter Kelly criterion, and it said you should be betting 1.8% of your bankroll on Byron 18 to 1 top Chevy. Like, wow. you should be betting basically 2% of your bankroll. So if you have a bankroll of $10,000, right, you should be betting 200 bucks on Byron top Chevy. And that's with a conservative strategy of quarter Kelly criterion. Multiply that by four, and, and that's what you should truly be betting is like 800 bucks out of a $10,000 bankroll at Byron 18 to 1 because the edge is so big there. So... Uh, yeah, that's just an absolutely incredible bet. So I wrote that up at Action Network. It lasted 17 minutes, and BetMGM took it off the board. Yeah, About 10 minutes I later, s- they reposted it at eight to one. I saw it. Yeah, because I, I was like, oh, I got to go grab that. Even though I hate, I hate BetMGM, the app. It that is my. Mm-hmm. I will always shop odds, but if the, unless it's significant difference, I'm I won't use BetMGM, and I love MGM. Like I only stay at MGM properties when I go to Vegas. Mm-hmm. But Absolutely. their app is awful, and I tell I tell that to them to their face. Like you go to the kiosk to to put in bets, they're like, "Oh, you know, you can use the app." And I'm like, "You know, your app sucks. Yeah. Like it's the worst app out there." Anyway, yeah, um, no, I agree with you. Um, so yeah, eighteen to one, like that doesn't even make sense. You know, we've done that before in with Toyotas, like top Toyotas, Kurt Busch, Christopher Bell. It doesn't make sense with them, and now you got you know Byron and Chevy. No, you got a guy William Byron who's won twice this year, who's started on the pole for multiple road course races and actually like gotten out pole on speed instead of just formula. Like we're talking a guy who can win a road course race. He hasn't yet, but he absolutely can. And a lot of the times he hasn't is because he's had to do the points racing strategy and now Mm -hmm. he doesn't. And this leads me to where you were saying, well, who else do you like? I like all four of the guys that have double digit wins or uh, multiple wins, not double digit, <laughs> two wins. <laughs> I, and, and it depends where, because Chastain 12 to one at FanDuel with you. I like that a lot. I haven't bet it yet. I'm trying to decide what my betting strategy is going to be outside of, of, of uh, William Byron. So if I lose out on Chastain 12 to one at FanDuel right now, I'm okay with that. He's 11 to one at points bet. I still show value at that number. So there's options here, but, at Circa in Vegas, right, in, in Nevada, you can get Denny Hamlin 21 to 1. Ooh. And Joey Logano 25 to 1. And I, I like that. Value I like that Hamlin. Yeah. Jo- Joey Logano and Denny Hamlin, 21 and uh, 25 and 21, respectively. I show value on both of those. Jim shows value on both of those. And the other thing is this car, right, this, this current Gen 6 car has a certain spoiler height, a certain horsepower. And the year that came closest to matching these specs was 2016. 2016. When Denny Denny Hamlin Hamlin let Tony Stewart win. Tony Stewart win and then won Watkins Glen. Well, Joey Logano finished third at Sonoma and second at Watkins Glen. Hamlin has also won two of the last five stages here at Sonoma. And he should have won Indy until, you know, Briscoe. Gave him the old uh, spinneroo. From oh behind. yeah. So and then Joey Logano actually had a very fast car at Coda. 
he kept getting stuck in traffic. He kept having multiple incidents, uh, tires, spins, etc. But he was, people will see Coda, see 31st place finish, and not realize he was way faster than that. He was good at Coda. The problem is he just was always in traffic, and he was always spinning. And he still had a very good average green flag speed. Hamlin, not as great at Coda, but Coda and Indy are probably the two most similar tracks to Sonoma. And Joey Logano is awesome at Coda. You think of the rain race that year. He was the third best car after Larson and Elliott, probably. Ross Chastain was up there, of course, as well. Uh, and then Indy, like I said, Denny Hamlin almost won. These guys at 21 and 25, I'm thinking of betting at Circa. Now, obviously, you're going to have to shop around if you're outside of Nevada because the best I see on Denny Hamlin right now is 16 to 1 at the Canby Books. And the best mm-hmm. I see on Joey Logano is 18 to 1 at MGM, FanDuel, pretty much all across the board. Points bet, Canby Books. Probably still value on those there, but certainly shop around. Uh, do whatever you can to grab the longest numbers that you can. But those are the, and guess what? All four of those guys I just mentioned Chastain, Byron, Hamlin, Logano, they can go for the win strategy, right? They're not points racing. They're going for the win. Going back to Chastain, you mentioned, you know, not jumping on him, the 12 to one immediately. And I think that's solid because we know he's not going to qualify very well. And he's probably not going to practice very well. So his, his odds aren't going to move. I I don't see them moving. And I think last week they actually got longer after qualifying, if I remember correctly, but yeah, six, uh, best you can get on Hamlin right now. Like you said, 16 Caesars has him at 16 as well. Uh, Logano, 18 at various books. Um, I'm looking, I was hoping Bally, Bally bet's kind of disappointing me this week. Um, just because their top five odds aren't great or anything, but they have Hamlin at 14 and they have Logano at 15. I think that's the shortest I've seen Logano. Um, not that I don't think like, I don't have the mindset of Bally bet is, you know, like a, like a circa to you, but just worth noting there. Um, but yeah, so the, with being able to go for that strategy, it definitely it's definitely a um, an advantage for those guys. Would you argue or would you think that the people that don't have a win, someone like a Martin Truex Jr., who is very good at Sonoma, he's finished uh, third, first, and first over the last three races here, uh, has three wins. You know, is this still his chance though? to get the win and lock him in or presumably lock him in, assuming we're, we're not going to get, you know, 17 plus winners or anything like that. But, um, you know, I could see, I could see that angle of it as well with a guy like Martin Truex jr. Who's really good. He's going to qualify. Well, he's going to be running up there. Um, it's being so high in the points, you know, he, I don't think he really needs to points race this week. He's fifth in points. Um, so like someone like that, someone like Ryan Blaney, I feel like could could still go for that winning strategy. What would be awesome is if like the crew chiefs could let us know before the race, like what kind of strategy they're going to run. Because you know, if if it was me, I'd I'd run the race win strategy. Like I I thought those I I thought Daniel Suarez's strategy at Coda was awful. I would have went for the win, but you know they wanted that playoff point and the ten points for the stage. I guess like yeah. I I just don't. If I was a crew chief, I wouldn't do that. 
I, I think, and that's what I was going to say, is I think it's super debatable with Truex because you could see the point strategy. You could see the win strategy from him. And, and it maybe it depends on how their car is running, right? If they don't feel like they have a winning car, they probably take the point strategy. If they feel like they have a winning car, then I'm sure they take the winning strategy. I think same for Blaney. The the area that's super, super, like, I think they're all points running is the guys sitting 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th in points, but not in playoff standings, just in raw points. Bell, Almirola, Reddick, Harvick, they're all going to be points racing. I don't even care if Bell has a winning car. I think he's points racing, right? Because there's no guarantee, even if you have a winning car, that you're going to win. These mm-hmm. things are crazy. Um, this year has been crazy. Eric Jones, Austin Dillon, probably points racing. There's a little gap down then to Daniel Suarez. He could go for the win strategy, especially knowing Coda and how good of a car they had. Maybe instead of points and, and what happened at Coda, maybe they go for the win strategy. I think if anybody behind Daniel Suarez has to go for the win, there's no points racing your way in if you're Michael McDowell. There's no points racing your way in if you're Bubba, unfortunately, or, or Justin Haley, or Chris Busher who just missed a race due to COVID. Those mm-hmm. guys are going for the win strategy. They're very le- you know, low likelihood to win, aside from maybe... Daniel Suarez, which I was shocked that Circa had it like 15 to one blew my mind. <laughs> That's um, something. Yeah. I, I, for as sharp as Circa is, I didn't think they'd make him 15 to one. I thought they'd want to take some bets on Suarez uh, considering of the two traditional road course races. We NASCAR used to run at, you know, Watkins Glen and Sonoma. Suarez was way better at Watkins Glen than Sonoma. So, um, you know, I, I, certainly he did well at Coda and that's, the closest comparable that or Indy to, to Sonoma, but I still don't think they're that comparable just because it's so big, so long. There's a lot of big straightaways where Sonoma just doesn't have that. So uh, that's why I thought, you know, Daniel Suarez could do well at Coda, but probably struggle a little more at, at Sonoma. Not saying he can't win, but I think 15 to one is pretty ridiculous. So as far as strategy, pretty much if your Suarez are back, you got to be going for the win. Uh, if you're in the, the Austin Dillon all the way up through Christopher Bell range, you're probably points racing. Uh, not guaranteed, but probably. And then if you're Truex or Blaney, I think it just depends on how your car is, whether you take the points or you go for the win. That's my opinion. Yeah. Um, another guy that I see you have a bet on this week is Kevin Harvick, 50 to 1. What's what's your rationale there? Uh, it was probably a mistake is my rationale. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> Well, I took him at 60, uh, and I didn't track it right away. Um, you know, the 60 was at Westgate, uh, being in Nevada. And so can't track that on the action app. Uh, I mean, I, I can, I just have to do like a custom bet for it. But by that time it had already moved down and the longest available is 50. So I just tracked it at 50, but I did actually get him at 60. And then I was like, you know, I thought about the point stuff and I, I see he's like two points out or something from the, the cut line there. And I'm like, the hell was i doing it, it, <sighs> it shows as a value in my percentages shows as a value in jim's percentages as far as win probability at 60 to 1 but if you just think about it like he's probably points racing so i'm not as happy as i was with it. i think i made a mistake there and hey we're all human right we all make mistakes but mm-hmm. i just like carvick is in a vacuum Without points or stages or, or wins or, or playoffs, I like Harvick at 60 to 1. The problem is we're not in a vacuum. Yeah. And NASCAR Facebook page just posted the, the cut line or on the bubble uh, yesterday. 
And Harvick's two points out, you know, behind Reddick. Almirola's plus eight. And then Jones is back in 26, uh, 26 behind the cut line. Austin Dillon, 29. Then Suarez, 60. So, yeah, going back to your point of, you know, Suarez, I don't, I don't think he can points race, you know, going back to that. Like, he's going to have to win. He's, he's probably too far out. 60 points is a bunch. Um, you can make up 60 points on one driver. You probably can't make it up on four or five drivers. Exactly, yeah. Especially with, you know, even um, – a guy like Tyler Reddick, you know, as fast as they are, always are. And Kevin Harvick, I can't believe he's that far down in points, but it's probably the state, like he, him not getting stage points, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tyler Reddick, he's sitting there with – actually, well, he has 75 stage points. He has more than anybody around him other than Christopher Bell. Um, he's just had a lot of bad finishes. Tyler Reddick's had so much bad luck, right? So um, Reddick's like almost like Chastain light in that he's like running up front or he just has a disaster. Uh, mm-hmm. and, um, unfortunately for, for Reddick, he's had a lot of mechanical failures, a lot of, uh, t- a lot of tire issues for him. I feel like this year, but you know, he's a guy that he, he could win a road course race. I, you know, we saw him in contention at the Charlotte Roval last year when he got into the back of Willie B who, again, I, I like, you know, had a chance to win Charlotte Roval, for example, probably should have, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. that was the, but, they threw a, like a random caution, didn't they? That killed him. Yeah, yeah. So was, it, someone's car, a piece of car, was hanging out for a while, and then yeah, I think it was exactly. Chase. Chase, yeah. it's because of the Harvick steal. But so like Tyler Reddick can win. The problem is he probably isn't going to be going for that race winning strategy. So you know we're we're just sitting here with Reddick like, well, the dude can. But unless well, he's like on say, the pole, people and, have like, been saying that for like, crazy years. Yeah. Oh, exactly. I mean, it's, still what we're saying it. about Kyle Larson. <laughs> it's the same thing we're saying about Kyle Larson. We've talked about this many times where finally yeah. one is a hundredth race or 99th start or whatever, right? We're getting there with Reddick. Um, how many starts are we at now for, for Reddick? 89. So like pretty sure it was his 99th start that Larson won in cup somewhere in that neighborhood. So like Reddick can, but this, I don't think is the race just because of the strategy, just because he has to be focused on points because there's no guarantee he's going to win in the next 12 races, especially because he hasn't in the first 14 races or whatever we're at. So yeah, he's got to be thinking about the points. Mm-hmm. Uh, another guy that is solid in points. He has a win this year and he's very good at Sonoma is Kyle Bush. Four straight top fives. He has two wins here. Uh, hasn't finished worse than seventh here since 2014. Um, you know, definitely also someone to keep an eye on. That's that's the thing with these road courses. Like, just, there's just so many variables that go into it. It's so hard to to even like right now before qualifying in practice. It's hard to try to handicap this. Like, we know who's gonna, we know who could potentially be good. But even after qualifying in practice, just the all the strategies and everything, it it makes road courses frustrating yet. Awesome. Like I really like road courses. Road courses have been very kind to me in DFS and betting over the last few years. Um, but at the same time, like it's not, you kind of just have to, I think you like go with your gut a little bit at times, or, you know, try not to overthink it because this race, there's so many variables that could affect this race. Yeah. Yeah, there are. And uh, it's just, you know, road course races are are absolutely bonkers. I mean, we've seen everything from, we're not going to see it in Sonoma, but 
I hope not rain to broken curbs to you know blown engines uh broken axles all sorts of crazy things can happen at road courses cautions come at random times and totally throw off strategies uh and, and these tracks are so long and slow mm-hmm. that if you like if you run out of fuel or if you have a blown tire right past the start finish line you're just hosed like you are done if you have to limp around a two and a half mile track at 60 miles an hour where everybody else is going 90 miles an hour or something like that. So there's so much that can happen. And one other wrinkle I want to throw in here is obviously a win is nice to get you five playoff points, but you also get five playoff points for winning the points championship. Yep. And five, I mean, you get 15, but five more than you would as well, right? Because it goes 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, or 3, 2, 1. But instead of 10, the first place gets 15. So really you're getting like uh like I think you are like I think you're getting a big bonus for winning uh you know essentially winning the um the the regular season title. So yeah. Chase Elliott and Kyle Bush, Ross Chastain may even have some incentive to points race a little bit, whereas a guy like William Byron, a guy like Danny Hamlin they have literally zero incentive to point race. None. So, you know, that, there's I that mean, one extra wrinkle as well. There's just, there's so many yeah, that's nuances point. to this race uh, that I think maybe it doesn't come into play now, but maybe at Watkins Glen, right? Where it's like the race before the playoff picture ends. Maybe that's the one where we see a guy like Chase Elliott, instead of going for the win, pads his points lead or something like that. Yeah, Watkins Glen is. It feels so weird that we've only. This is only the second road course race of the season because we're going to hit up uh, after after Sonoma. We have an off week, and then we go to Nashville. Then we go to Road America, uh, and then we hit Indy Road Course in late July, and then we hit Watkins Glen in mid August. Like, it's it's just weird that we've only uh, been or only had <clears throat> one road course so far. But um, as far as you know, Sonoma goes, it's always been, we've talked about the different, it, when it was Watkins Glen and Sonoma, it was always, these are two completely different road courses. Some of them are, some drivers are really good at both. Some are significantly better at Sonoma or vice versa at Watkins Glen. Uh, would you say Road America is the most current or most uh, comparable to Sonoma or are we still looking at uh, like, are we are we weighing all road courses evenly? Um, maybe it's not. Circuit of the America, road, road America. America. Yeah, yeah. Road, road America is yeah. Road America is more like a uh, walking. All these Americas, big and fast. Yeah, uh, and it's even you know even Road America is kind of its own thing. It's a four mile beast of a track, but uh, yeah, I think Road America is very close to Watkins Glen. If we wanted to like comp road courses, and I do think Circuit of the Americas is is as close as it gets to. Sonoma. The, the thing is, Circuit Americas is bigger, but it does have a lot of slow, twisty sections. Uh, and an indie road course also has some slow, twisty sections. The big thing about indie road courses, it's basically completely flat. So it, it's not like Sonoma in that regard. So I do think Circuit of the Americas, Coda, where we raced earlier this year, is probably the best comp for Sonoma. Uh, but really, if you're looking at Sonoma, you my model when when I ran the numbers, you know, I, initially I was like, well, probably I'll look at Sonoma history first, Coda second, and then all road courses third. It's actually flipped. Look at all road courses first, 
Mm-hmm. And then look at, you know, like Sonoma and Coda, and then look at Sonoma. Uh, so track history matters, but at the same time, a good road course racer is a good road course racer. You really want to go with track history for like very specific drivers. Martin Shrix Jr. kicks ass here. Brad Keselowski, yeah. garbage here. Like very specific drivers. Sonoma history matters a lot more, but the bulk of the field, it's what is your overall road course racing ability. So when I model this, I have to model it for all drivers. So it's saying, look at all road courses. But I do think there's specifics like a Martin Truex Jr., like a Brad Keselowski in opposite directions, where they're either really good here or really bad here. And and Kevin Harvick, I think, is one of those as well. I think he's really good here at Sonoma in general. Uh, and, and like Chase Elliott, maybe is air quote bad at Sonoma relative to his other road courses. Still really good. But, um, you know, I think there's like little individual circumstances, but by and large, you can probably use road course racing ability as a good proxy for most of the field. Uh, Kevin Harvick actually has the second best average finish at Sonoma among all active drivers. Can you guess who has the best? And I would love to see this guy win on Sunday. Uh, You know, I, I actually cannot, but I'm going to take a guess. Yeah. Uh, my guess, and this is, I'm sure wrong, Kyle Larson? Nope. No? Uh, nope. I know he's qualified up front like every year. His average start at Sonoma in seven races is 2.3. <laughs> and Byron's is 4.3. Chase Elliott's is 6.6. But uh, with four starts, Eric Jones has the wow. best average finish at Sonoma last three races 11th 8th and 7th now two of those were with Gibbs but he started 20th and 32nd last year he started 18th with Richard Petty Motorsports finished 11th with the speed that those guys have I feel like a good strategy he could be in contention this weekend yeah mm, certainly possible that's that's an interesting point uh and it's funny because if you look at his Watkins Glen starts with JGR slash furniture row 10 5 Four. So it seems like he's even better at Watkins Glen uh, than Sonoma. Now, last year it flipped a little. He was 11th at, at, at Sonoma and 27th at the Glen, but things happen, of course. So you're right. Eric Jones could surprise. And remember, you were on him in DFS for Circuit of the Americas, and he had a great DFS day. Nobody was on him. This is another guy I think is a really good DFS play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like, people are going to automatically jump to the big names that are like mid-tier guys like Sandrick, the Austin Sendricks, Almondinger, yeah, Redick. Like, so those just those little tweaks right there of just going to someone like an Eric Jones or even a Chris Busher. Chris Busher's a really yep. good oh, yeah. um, road course racer. Justin uh, Haley. Yeah. What about what about the like Harrison Burton's um, guys like that this week? Maybe even Todd Gillen. Todd Gillen finished 16th at Circuit of the Americas. I don't remember if that was legitimate or not, um, but Harrison Burton, he was definitely playing points racing because he finished top 10 both stages there, ended up finishing uh, 17th, I believe. Yeah, the, the two um, rookies there, Gilly and Burton, right next to each other, 16th and 17th. Yeah. And Haley, 15th, right? <laughs> Michael McDowell, 13th. Well, though he gets a lot of attention at road course races. But, yeah, yes. you're right. I think, like, the Gilliland, the Burton, the Haley – uh, Eric Jones, they just don't get enough attention at road course races and all have the ability to do something, especially if chaos happens. And we saw chaos at Circuit of the Americas, right? I mean, we saw tons of chaos in that race. Uh, it, it was an exciting race. It was a great road course race, but there was chaos. And 
Sonoma tends not to be as chaotic as other road courses, just because it's slower. Uh, and so you don't see as much potential for dive bombs. Uh, and and also you just cars don't get out of control as much because the speeds are slower. So I don't think we'll see massive mayhem, but I do think a guy like an Eric Jones, I do think, you know, a guy like a Justin Haley or a Chris Buescher are very solid DFS potential plays, depending on, you know, obviously how the starting lineup shakes out and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at, we're recording this on Wednesday, so DraftKings pricing is up. They have, they have Gilly Gang at 5,100 this week, which is the third lowest driver, just above Cody Ware and Josh Balicki. Um, God. I don't, I don't, they have Joey hand at 6,000, like so stupid, but um, I always like, I always like the pricing that DraftKings does on road courses because, you know, highest price drivers, Larson at 10, six, Chase Elliott's 10, four, Kyle Busch, 10, one, Truex at 10. It allows you to really um, play around and, and you have to like actually think it all out when building lineups this week um, because there's just not met, not enough laps for there to be dominator points. So it's all about finish except for, you know, the guy that leads the most laps and, and win and is likely going to win. You know, I think uh, Chastain led like 33 laps at circuit of the Americas, which is probably what we're going to see here at Sonoma on Sunday as well. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'm looking at these DraftKings prices and let's just talk about the three drivers we just named as like the pivots. So Jones, Busher and Haley, I just threw the three of them into a, a dummy lineup just to do so. And that leaves me with 10,000 average for the remaining <laughs> three drivers. Like, you could fit in three amazing drivers, right? You could fit in uh, Logano, Byron, and, Bl- and Hamlin, you know, three of the drivers that I've said uh, are here. Let's do Chastain, Hamlin, and Byron, the three most expensive of the four two time winners. I'm leaving 1,500 bucks on the table, and that's a potentially winning lineup, right? So obviously, you could pivot off of a Bush or a Haley. Uh, or Eric Jones even, and go up to somebody else. I could fit in Logano. I could fit in the four two-time winners this year, plus Busher and Haley, and leave nothing on the table. Perfect fifty thousand dollars. That's and even going, you know, I took Haley out, and you could get, you could get Busher, Bowman, Jones, Bell, Almondinger, and anybody else you want. Mm-hmm. Like that's just. This is definitely, it's kind of like a super speedway race where it's advantageous to leave cap on the table because people aren't going to do it. Right. Um, right. It's and, just and it it's absolutely, DFS mindset. And a cap, you know, under cap uh, lineup, salary lineup can absolutely win. You can win with a 48.5 in this because dominator points aren't going to come into play much. Mm-hmm. Not much at all. So absolutely, if a driver just makes up some place differential and, and maybe like a Chastain wins and a Logano finishes second, but a $48,000 lineup could win this easily, uh, could win the, the massive GPP. So mm-hmm. certainly it, not a not a super speedway in terms of the strategy, right? Because you, you want the guys that are going to finish up front and you're not worried as much about yeah. chaos and mayhem. So you still want to pick like, you know, you still might have a driver that's like a solid 60% play if he qualifies in the back or some, you know, some weird things like there's, there's still possibilities of like, you could go much higher than I would go like 40 or 45% tops on a super speedway on any driver. You can still go above that, or you can still go a little chalkier on the chalky drivers and, and less chalky and less chalky drivers. Whereas like on a super speedway, almost like flipping them just because 
so freaking random. Everything's close to 50, 50 that, um, you know, what's the point if a guy is going to be 40% optimal, one's going to be 30% optimal, but he's going to be 50% owned and 20% owned. I'll just flip them. Right. I'll just make the, the 30% optimal. I'll play him 40%. I'll play the 40% optimal 30% because I know I'm going to get sweet leverage on the field then that way. So, you know, kind of, you're not going to have as much of that here, but you absolutely will have the fact that the combination of place differential and finishing position is going to matter a lot. And that could be achieved through a 47, 48, $49,000 lineup instead of a $50,000 lineup. Mm-hmm. I will note though, cause I'm, I'm sure we'll get a comment about this, but like, you know, circle of the Americas was 68 laps. Uh, I think it ended up being 69 by the end of it. Nice. Um, Sonoma is 110. So while we sit here and say that there's not a ton of, or there's not a lot of dominated points, there is still some at Sonoma, but it's still not like we're not getting the 400 lap races, the 500 lap races. I don't even think we've had a 500 this year, but um, we're not getting 27. The that's still only 27 and a half lap led points total for the whole yeah. race in a 110 lap race. And then you say, well, what about the, the fastest laps? Well, we're not going to have 110 green flag laps, right? Fastest laps only count under green flag conditions. Yeah. We've got two stage breaks with the amount of cautions we've had this year in terms of a percentage increase, you got to think we're going to see more than like three or four cautions, probably five or six cautions. And if you're averaging what five laps of caution, it's 25 to 30 laps of caution there. Um, we could, we could see, you know, let's say, let's say 25 laps of caution. So uh, 85 times 0. 0.45, 38.25 plus 27. Point five. That's 65, let's say 66 dominator points for the whole race among the whole field, 66 dominator points. And with the varying strategies here, you're going to have different drivers leading with the uh, tire strategies as well. You're going to have different guys getting fast slap. You're not going to see a driver probably pick up more than 25 dominator points unless they just truly are dominant, you know? Mm hmm. Uh, for comparison, Circuit of the Americas had nine cautions for 13 laps, so 13 of the scheduled 68 were under caution. Uh, I'm looking, I'm pulling up fastest laps from that race real quick, and Chastain was 17, Sindrick with eight. So Chastain had 40, almost four, almost 45 percent of the fastest laps. Total fastest laps were. Uh, let me do the math real quick. 33, 37, 40, 43, 45. So there's only 46 fastest laps at Circuit of the Americas out of a scheduled 68 laps. So if you use that same math, um, you know, you can probably cut off 20 to 25 laps from the 110 from Sonoma, assuming we get similar cautions. But right. our, so, our caution is going to last as long? Probably not. I pulled up dominator points for... Uh, 110 lap uh, Sonoma races. So um, if we look at the 110 lap Sonoma races uh, and 112, 109, like in that, in that neighborhood, right? Um, the most dominator points anybody's ever had was 31.2 Kyle Busch in 2008. We've only had four drivers ever get above 25 dominator points. And only one since 2010, and that was Kevin Kevin Harvick in 2018. Uh, so yeah, we're just not going to get a super dominant 
driver. It's just not going to happen. And let's look at the stage era, which was 2017 and 2018, right? Because then Sonoma went to fewer laps because of the, the track layout changes, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. In 2017 and 2018, we had Harvick in 2018 grab 27 and a half dominator points. Truex grabbed 24 dominator points in the same race. But nobody else had above 13 and a half dominator points. And that includes all of 2017, et cetera. Um, uh, unless I'm, you know, missing something here, I feel like I, I'm shocked that 2017 had such few dominators. Um, I'm almost wondering if I have bad data here. It, no, it doesn't look like it. It was just super spread out, right? We had uh, 92 fastest laps. So that makes sense with a 110 lap race. Like I was estimating about 85 for this year and you know, probably more cautions means 85 instead of 92. And we had 110 laps led. Yeah. So in 2017, the first year of stage racing, nobody had more than 13 and a half dominator points. In 2018, we had two drivers uh, that scored around 25 and everybody else had less than five dominant mm-hmm. points. So that's, that's the possible, thing with... but you know, it's possible, but you're looking at maybe, maybe 25 dominator points for a driver ballpark tops. Yeah. And a big part of that is the strategies that come in with the stage breaks and, and how the field gets shuffled up because you're not going to get fastest laps when you're back in traffic. Typically it's going to be the leader that's po- getting the fastest laps. If we have six different leaders, it's going to be so spread out. So when it comes to DFS, like my strategy typically is I it's, it's kind of like a super speedway. I hate to keep saying that, but I don't touch the front row unless it's like a chase Elliott that I know is could chances are going to lead 30 plus laps, get a ton of fastest laps. Um, if he's on the pole, then yeah, I feel like he has to play. But other than that, you know, you build your lineups, one, maybe two people that you think are going to lead a good amount of laps, and then you're, then you're just going for finish. You're going for finishing position and place differential depending on how qualifying shakes out. You know, if Almondinger starts 36th, that's a whole different strategy thing if you wanted to fade him and, and hope he wrecks or something. But uh, as far as everything else, you're just going for guys that you think can finish top five, stuffing as many of them into a, to a lineup as you can, and then having one or two dominators. Yeah, so there have been nine drivers – Again, we're looking at the 110 lap Sonoma races since 2005 when loop data started. Um, there have been nine drivers that have scored over 20 dominator points at these Sonoma races. Starting position of them, six of them started sixth or worse, and only three of them started inside the top five. All three of those started second, That which I think is random chance, right? It could have been first and third and second or whatever. But like, my point is, you're right, unless you're seeing you know, a, a super dominant car of Robbie Gordon in 2007, a Martin Truex Jr. in 2018, you know, starting on the front row, it's probably not advantageous to play them. Uh, and even then, even if they get the dominator points, they still have to finish well, right? Robbie Gordon, the year he got 25 dominator points, started second, finished 16th. So that didn't even get him in what would have been a winning lineup in 2007 DFS, right? You know, we didn't have DFS then, but if you theoretically could calculate salaries back then, you probably could ballpark based off historical odds. Then, uh, Robbie Gordon wouldn't have ended up in the winning lineup starting second and finishing 16th that minus 14 and that 16th place finishing points. Not, a, not good enough to overcome 
uh, not, you know, $25 points is not enough to overcome that. So uh, it's just so like, there's basically only been maybe eight or nine drivers worthy of dominance and finishing position. And even then about only two of them started up near the front, like on the first two rows. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe, I believe circuit of America's that was the weekend that, you know, Suarez qualified second. He looked great in practice. He was actually 15% owned in that race starting second, which is, was definitely the play. If he wouldn't have had those issues, like he had a great car. Uh, I'm trying to find, I think that's, that's, but that's the thing that's like typical for road courses, right? The, the leader does that. And then something happens, it gets shuffled back and yeah, that's how these road courses work. And we see the same thing with Sonoma. When has a pole sitter ever been in the optimal lineup in Sonoma? I maybe, maybe never. I don't know. Um, the best a pole sitter has finished at Sonoma in the 110 lap races is fourth. That's happened three times. Uh, there was one fifth and one sixth place finish for the pole sitters in 14 Sonoma races that are 110 laps. Um, there's been five top five finishes and nothing better than fourth. No top three finishes from a pole sitter. And then you add in the dominator points where none of them wait, wait, had wait. enough dominator points. I don't think a pole sitter's ever been in, in what would theoretically be an optimal lineup even before DFS existed in 2015. If you were, like I said, you're able to calculate salaries back before 2015. I don't think a pole sitter's uh, ever been in the optimal lineup. Larson last year. I did in a 110 lap race. That was a 90 lap oh, race, right? Oh yeah, it was. Good point. I missed that part. Yeah, because yeah. Larson led led 57. Him and Chase started first and second and finished first and second last year. Right. Uh, that yeah, was the, the other configuration. That was the other track yeah. configuration. Now we're going back to the old one. So we're back to the 110 lap. Yeah. Truex in uh in 2018, he started second and led 62. So that's probably the closest um as far as high starters. But um yeah. Yeah. but yeah. I forgot that they that last year's race was different. So now uh, I'm confused. Is this, is this 110 laps? Uh, yes. Accord, Jay Ski's site says 110. They've been what, wrong a Bob lot. What does Bob Prockers' site say? <laughs> Bob Prockers needs a website. <laughs> uh, BobProckers.com. There may be one. I don't know. But uh, Bob Prockers pulling up his Twitter and seeing if there's anything about stages. By the way, um, a couple hours before we started recording this. Oh, here we go for cup. 25, 30, 55. So 55 plus 55 is 110. So yeah, definitely 110 laps. So we're going back to that. I thought so. I, I, all of a sudden I got super like concerned, like maybe we are at the 90 lap, but no, we're right. We're, we're 110 laps here. But a couple hours before we went on air, Carson Hosevar announced he will be racing this weekend, at least trying to start. What? Well, I, I saw what happened with him. I didn't see what his actual injury was. I saw that, they, once they, again, NASCAR is embarrassing slow. Nobody's released what his actual injury is. Like, we don't know that yet. The only announcement we've seen what? is him saying he's planning on trying to race and Daniel Soros will be there in relief if needed, but... I, based off of his pain, based off of the video of him getting pulled out of the truck and put on the stretcher and what I saw of his leg, I didn't think it looked good. I'm, 
floored that he's race attempting to race this weekend. I, and it wasn't the best quality video, but I thought his leg looked pretty beat up. Um, like maybe pointing in the wrong direction, beat up on that lower part of the extremity. I don't know. I could be wrong. It's a, it's not the best quality video. And based off some of the things host of our had tweeted or posted on Instagram, you know, uh, I was very worried for his future, uh, especially because it seems to be the right leg from what we're hearing. And that's your, your gas, your gas pedal, right? Like you're not, even if you're a two footed driver or you're, you know, two footed left foot braking or whatever, you still got to use your right for the gas pedal. Whereas if you broke your left, you could just go back to one foot driving, you know, right foot for the gas and for the brake. But uh, yeah, so I was very worried for him, but he's apparently going to try to start this weekend, which shocks me, which is also great news. We we definitely don't want people to be badly injured, but I'm very shocked. And, and you're absolutely right. That was an embarrassing situation for NASCAR. You would never see that in an IndyCar, period. It was... And like, can they stop employing the the seventy year old overweight people to get to in these positions where they have to get somewhere fast? Like, God, that was just so cringy to watch. And I think I retweeted it. I'm like, can we just go one week without NASCAR embarrassing the fuck out of itself? Like, but uh, as far as Hosovar goes, I don't understand why the injury is such a secret. That tells me that it's worse than anybody thinks. I thought so too. And I was, you know, usually we say no news is good news, but I was thinking like, if they're trying to keep this hush hush, it's probably worse than we think, but it's all speculation on our end. So we don't know all we can do is speculate, but I was very worried for, for Hosovar. Uh, so this come came as a huge surprise for me mm-hmm. and, but a very positive, huge surprise that at least he's trying to get behind the wheel. And the only reason he would do that, even if he was, badly injured is because he thinks he can be back for the playoffs. If he didn't think he could be back for the playoffs, he wouldn't be trying to get in the car to grab Carson Hosvar playoff points. Cause he doesn't have a win yet. So he has to points his way in uh, if he doesn't get a win. So that means he has to start these races. So mm. what that tells me is it, at least there's probably hope he'll be back for the playoffs, which I think is the positive news I can take out of this. I don't think he's racing this weekend outside of, get around the track a few times until the first caution and and get out of Dodge. Uh, But that's my speculation, pure speculation. Uh, I'm not going to say I have any inside information or anything. I don't. My pure speculation is I think he's probably not going to race much. He may even do one lap and then just bring it in, right? Uh, I don't even know. But what it tells me is I think he thinks he can go. The doctors think he can go for the playoffs. Didn't uh, didn't Tony Stewart win a race here after breaking his leg? Or Kyle like Bush. with a Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch did. I thought Stewart did too. The year uh, Kyle Busch like broke his leg and like missed a third of the season or something. They came back and won like four out of the first five races he raced. Yeah, uh, I think Sonoma was like the first one or something. Okay, but smoke smoke may have as well, but uh, no, there's definitely a history of drivers racing injured at Sonoma or or coming off injury at Sonoma. I, uh, yeah, that's just weird. Like, I don't know. No, I don't know why. Anyway, um, as far as who else you want to talk about here? You know, I feel like we've made a pretty good dent in the field, even with some of these 
pivot plays there, Joneses, the Bushers. We mm. haven't really touched on Cindric Almendinger Briscoe. Um because Cindric's the one I want to talk about. These are three guys who are in a very similar situation in that they can go for the win, right? Briscoe has a win, Cindric has a win, and Almendinger's not racing for the playoffs. So those three I, are going for the win. I okay. I would but Cindric is also the last guy in points with a win. That's a very So good I feel point. like I feel like he could be points racing just because we could get to the 17. Mm-hmm. You know what so, else, though? He feels like Sonoma owes him because he's never raced at Sonoma in a NASCAR National Series. But he did race, uh, and I cannot remember the name of the series. I'm looking it up right now. But he did race in a sports car at Sonoma when he was 17 in a McLaren. Uh and he set the fastest lap in like Sonoma history or something uh, in this sports car, but ended up finishing second. He's like, man, this place owes me. I've never been more pissed about a second place ever. So, man, wouldn't that be something if Cindric gets a second win? Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's at 11 or 12 playoff points. Right. Uh, he, he was fourth in green flag speed at Circuit of the Americas, by the way. Mm-hmm. Oh, he had, a, he had a good car there. He just couple times he lost track position, but I don't think he had the best car for sure. But uh, he definitely had a good car. I think it was more like a fourth, like you said, fourth place green flag speed. I think he probably had a third to fifth place overall car. Mm-hmm. Another guy that kind of popped on the green flag speed chart from that race was Cole Custer. Uh, ninth in green flag speed. He ended up finishing 23rd. He's one of those guys. He He's going to break out and have a really good road course. He, he's one of those guys that I always... Mm-hmm kind of target DFS wise um, over the last couple of years with just being different because he doesn't have the finishes. Nobody's really going to be on him, but he typically has pretty good cars. Um, yeah. He's, he's had some good runs at road courses and I'm definitely eyeing him in top 10 markets as well. Uh, I don't think FanDuel has posted their top tens yet as our you know recording time, but uh, for this episode, but Definitely somebody I have on my short list to keep an eye out for top 10s, which I think also can translate to DFS potential. And he was my he was my really crazy Paul Menard pick of the week this past weekend. I was going to go with other drivers, but I was like, you know, there's enough I've seen of him here uh, in these shorter flat tracks this year to say in a absolutely massive tournament. I don't mind if you go 10% on Cole Custer. Now, obviously, that didn't work out. He finished 29th. But that's the whole point of the Paul Menard pick of the week. I'm trying to pick drivers that are way underplayed, way underowned, mm-hmm. and hoping they do well. And overall, my tracker rec- track record has been good this year, especially outside of high-priced high drivers. My track record has been, I think maybe I've only missed like two completely outside of high-priced drivers uh in maybe 11 races or something like that so i think i've had a really good track record of paul monar pick of the week you know maybe nine out of 11 at least returning value if not then if not being in the winning lineup or really damn near the winning lineup but cole custer was not one of those so you know it happens but uh i could certainly see him being on a short list for paul monar pick of the week again this week um yeah, I don't. I'm I'm just going through the uh, the entry list right now, seeing if there's anybody. Joey Hands back in that 15 car. People make a deal like, of that, but nah. I feel like was he? Didn't he have speed at Circuit of the Americas and then had a mechanical issue? Or am I crazy? 
he did, and so did, and he also kind of did at that indie road course race. I think it was, or no, sorry, it was the Charlotte Roval last year. He, he kind of got up there, but he also ended up crashing. I think he and Truex got together. Like, there's potential here with Joey Hand, and, and I guess if there's a track, it's going to happen. It's probably Circuit, or it's probably Sonoma, the slowest one where equipment matters the least, right? So, if yeah. there's potential for Joey Hand, it's this week. I just feel like he. I don't know what his ownership was at Circuit of the Americas. Seventeen point six five. And last year at the Roval, I thought it was pretty high. Um, so. You know, I don't want to play him if he's going to be 20%. I, I think he's a fade if he's 20%. If he's 10, 5 to 10%, I think he's a play. I'm pulling up uh, last I'm trying to find last year's. Like I said, he's uh, 17.65. He started 38th at Circuit of the Americas, ended up finishing 35th. Uh, where? Last year's I don't think I've, yeah, I don't think I have it in here. Yeah, I probably I have it somewhere, why. but um, yeah, but I, he's one of those guys where I kind of want to judge his, you know, the the perception on him, the the sentiment. If people are going to be on him, I want to be off him. If people are going to be off him, I want to be on him. Mm. But uh, one guy I will not be on is Brad Keselowski. <laughs> Brad Keselowski's not good at Sonoma. He's just and he's just. He's completely fallen off a cliff on road courses in general, you know? Yeah. He used to be pretty decent, especially at Watkins Glen. But, um, yeah, he just – was it last year where, like, him and – he wrecked, like, seven times or something? At which track? Uh, One of the road courses. I uh, want to say it was Sonoma. He finished 15th at Sonoma. Maybe it was it was the Glen then. Yeah, he finished 35th at the Glen. Yeah, that was the one. But, I mean, he's done well at the Glen, right? Like, he has a win at the Glen uh, for Penske, I'm pretty sure. If not a win. No, he had a second, a second, and a second uh, in 11, 12, and 13. And then he had a third in 2016. So, like, he's done well at the Glen. Higher speed, you know, a little more where the car can matter. But at Sonoma, with Team Penske, he had two career top 10s. His best was a third, and his other top 10 was a 10th. So one finished mm-hmm. better than 10th in his career at Sonoma with one of the best teams in NASCAR history. Yeah. The, at the same time, and I, I, I can already see people chirping because he's 6,600 this week, and if he qualifies 24th and finishes 17th, mm-hmm. you know, they'll be like... So yeah, there's that little caveat. Like, yes, Keselowski can still finish in the teens, but he's not going to go out there and win this race. He's not going to finish top 10. And let's look at let's look at Circuit of the Americas, which is the closest air quote comp. He did finish 14th this year, but there was a whole lot of mayhem, which you know through a lot of mayhem and, and survival, he only finished 14th. He was 30th in green flag speed. Yeah, exactly. 30th in green flag speed. <laughs> I mean, that's barely above Balicki. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, last year. Indy Road Course, he finished 24th. That one's kind of hard because the Turtles, the the, the curb. Oh, God, uh, Coda nice. last year finished 19th, the rain caveat and all that. But, like, he's just not good at lower speed, more technical road courses. So, 
Keselowski might be like the fate of the week, if there ever was one, in my opinion. What about um, how that wouldn't even shake it up? Almondinger, if he won, I was like, but he can't lock himself in the playoffs because he's going for Xfinity points. So Yeah, and that's what I was saying. So Almondinger and Briscoe and Sindrick are very interesting. You mentioned the points possibility with Sindrick, but also I know he wants to win here so bad. Um, yeah. And this is probably – this and Coda would, I think, be the two best road courses for him. He was really good at Coda this year, and he was also really good at Coda last year in the dry. He's terrible in the rain. For whatever reason, rain and Cindric don't mix at road courses. But in the dry, he was crushing Coda both years mm-hmm. and crushing uh, – I feel like he would crush Sonoma. So I feel like this is one of his best chances to win. So in some ways, I think he probably does try to win if he has a winning car because he's – probably locked in unless we get a 16th you know, a 17th winner or a 16 winners plus the first person in points doesn't have a win you know also wins the whole champion points championship probably not going to happen given chase elliott's leading the points and kyle bush is second and ross Chastain's third they all have wins uh and cindric would also have to be the 16th of the 16 winners so it's that's a pretty low probability i think so really we probably need 17 winners to bump cindric out and uh, we got 12 races to get six more. So we'd need half of the races to have a guy that already hasn't won. I think he probably goes for the win if you feel like he has a car that can win, uh, in my opinion, for Cindric. But I definitely understand he could potentially points the race as well. Briscoe and Almendinger. Uh, well, and Briscoe might be in the same boat as Cindric there, right? Because um, they're close enough in points. You know, they both could conceivably be the last in wins. But Almendinger just going for the win. The problem is Almendinger's best finish at Sonoma is like what seventh or something. I, I don't have it exactly in front of me. I'm pulling it up right now. Um, it is one more click away. Yeah. Seventh is his best finish at Sonoma. Now that doesn't mean he's only ever been a seventh place car. He's had races where he's been tops or near the top in green flag speed, but the dude just hasn't closed sealed the deal here. So, Kind of like getting away from Almendinger, just from the fact that for whatever reason, something seems to go wrong for him here, and probably some of it's bad luck, but probably some of it's self-inflicted too. Mm-hmm. He started top five in the last his last five starts here, twenty eighteen to twenty fourteen. He's qualified top five. He's finished thirty fifth or worse in four of those, mm-hmm. and fourteenth in the other one. A um, lot of ruined DFS lineups there because you know Almendinger starting top five. At a road course, typically he's going to get good ownership. So, um, I'm always like guys like Almendinger. I like being. I always love being underweight on Almendinger. It's the guys like Chase Elliott that I'll go overweight when I think it's a slam dunk. So, and and this is you know what is so funny that you bring this up because when I run my model, one of the things that matters is, and these are two separate things. How good are you at road courses in your raw performance? So. Oh, you know, 110 driver rating or 98 driver rating or whatever, you know, this many laps led, et cetera. That matters. But what also matters is how good is that relative to your average race? And if it's much better than your average race, you're actually expected to do worse. Whereas, so Chase Elliott is just good all the time. That means good things for him at Sonoma. If Almondinger is really good at road courses but bad everywhere else, that actually means worse things for him at Sonoma. 
believe it or not, or at road courses in general, right? Like he's, even though we know he's so good here, he just doesn't get the finishes. And it probably has something to do with the team quality, maybe something to do with the driver's ability to finish a race. I don't know. Uh, certainly he can win these road course races, but there may also be a, you know, pushing too hard type thing. Cause he doesn't quite have the equipment he would have at a Penske or at a, you know, at a Hendrick or things like that. But also even when he was with Penske, he wasn't you know, the, the half year is with Penske. He wasn't blowing the doors off of the whole, you know, series. So I just don't think he's the best driver out there. I don't think he's, if you put him in Chase Elliott's car, I don't think he's Chase Elliott. Um, Obviously, at road courses, he may be even better, but I think in terms of average finish or, or or modeled finish, being so good at road courses and bad everywhere else was a statistically significant factor in saying you're actually less likely to finish well, even if you perform well at the road course. So it was funny that you brought that up because you're like, I'm on a Chase Elliott, but not on Almendinger, even though they're both noted road course racers. That goes exactly with what my model says. If you're yeah. a noted road course racer, but that's your only good discipline, you're actually still less likely to finish well. That's just, that's weird. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, we haven't really talked, but, it, you know, could this be the week that Kyle Larson gets his second win? You know, we saw what he did on road courses last year. Uh, Circuit of the Americas. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Cir- Circuit of the Americas, he finished 29th, but he was eighth in green flag speed. Um, you know, we haven't, I haven't really talked about Larson for a while as far as contending for a win it's it's starting to get a little weird um could this be the week though it could be absolutely it could be i mean the guy's great road course racer he's great everywhere so another one of those chase elliott's were like if he's good here and he's good everywhere that's a, a positive signal boost for him or at least not a negative signal boost in the almondinger direction where it's like i'm i'm, I'm not as good everywhere else so it, it could lead to more poor finishes but uh yeah i definitely think of this this is a of the races we've had lately, it's weird to say, like, the only two I've really been on Larson was obviously Darlington. Mm. And I think I could get on him this week, maybe not in betting, but potentially in DFS, right? So Larson here is is one of these guys that I think is in play this weekend. It just depends on where how things shake out, where he qualifies, etc., this is a very good track for him. And like you said, his average start is bananas, but uh, at Sonoma, but uh, speaking of which, like what's his odds for a pole? Uh, five Pull that one, up I real think. quick. Yeah, I think it's five to one at DK last I saw. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I couldn't, the longest he is to win the race is seven fifty. I don't think I could bet that, but I don't mind betting him for the pole just because of his history here. It's mm-hmm. Now, Ridiculous. one of those was awarded. I think last year's was awarded, but the three prior to that were speed. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that was speed with Ganassi. Yeah, exactly. So tough to say um, as far as, you know, how this race is going to play out. But I definitely think well, this is a, a Larson potential week. And, and yeah. I haven't said that much this year. I said it definitely for Darlington. Um. But that's like the one race I think I've said it all year where I was like, this is a Larson race was Darlington. Right. I mean, you remember and he had I was a like, rocket ship. I was saying, don't bet him at Vegas when everybody was betting him at six to one. And since then, I hadn't seen anything out of him that shows he's been the best car. Like, look at his playoff points. He has six. One was the win at Auto Club where 
yeah, he had a, probably a fifth place car and ended up winning because of all the craziness there at the end. Um, I think Reddick had the field covered that day and, and Logano, I think was stronger than Larson guaranteed. There were at least two or three drivers better than Larson that race at auto club that he won since then one playoff point. And that was a stage win at Bristol dirt. Hmm. One playoff point for Kyle Larson over the last 12 races. I don't That's... think we could find a three race gap last year with him, you know, three race gap last year with him not winning a playoff point. Maybe maybe three or four races tops. It's just it, you you were waiting for and it's not like they're not getting to the front. Like he's led 20 laps in one two three four five six of the last seven races. Like it's not like he's not getting to the front. But he's just not there at the right time, and you know, obviously not getting the finishes. But I'm the more I'm, uh, more I'm looking at this, I really like betting him for the pole. Yeah, you know, he's been a top five qualifying machine all all year. I don't, I don't even care if he's only at five to one. I think I'm definitely going to bet that. All right, I was wrong. He had a four race gap last year: Bristol, Martinsville, Richmond, Talladega, where he didn't get a playoff point, and then he had a five race gap later in the regular season. Uh, Pocono, Pocono, Road Atlanta, Road America, Atlanta, and New Hampshire. Uh, but other than that, those are the those are the biggest gaps of consecutive races where he didn't get a playoff point last year. We're at twelve right now, and last year his longest was five. Hmm. Or sorry, we're at one. I should say not twelve now, but we're at one out of twelve races. Um, with his current gap being six races and prior to that he had a six race gap with no playoff points so he's already had two streaks without a playoff point longer than last year's longest streak without a playoff point and the crazy thing is though like if they if if that team suddenly gets to their race winning ways like there's no doubt that he's going to be the favorite for the championship yeah still that's the the, exactly and that's just kyle larson he's that good it's just as good as uh kyle larson is as good as Chase Elliott is, Hendrick Motorsports hasn't been the class of the field. Chase Elliott's really done it just through consistency. He yeah. has three top fives. That's it. Like Chastain's been faster. Um, Blaney probably has been faster this year, more running towards the front than Chase Elliott. Elliott's just had the finishes and the stage points, like the consistency, but he hasn't had the raw speed. Whereas I think you and I can agree, like Kyle Larson, I mean, look, look at Larson. He has one, two, three, four, five, six top fives. And Chase Elliott has three, right? Like Larson has the upside here. Uh, the most upside of all of Hendrick is just that Hendrick hasn't been the elite of the elite. There's just been kind of an elite class of like four or five teams, right? Hendrick, uh, Gibbs, Sempensky, and Chastain. So that's where we are. Yeah, I Kyle Larson having six is kind of surprising to me. That just seems high, but it makes sense now that I'm looking at it and looking at the season. But, you know, Chastain is leading the way with seven. Nobody has more than 50% of top five finishes this year, which is which still is insane. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um. So who's Doc Block this week? Because your boy oh, had a pretty boy. good finish at... Uh, at Gateway. Yeah, Almarla yeah. did have a good finish. Very solid, strong run. I think it was, what, fifth place win or race for him? 
Yep. Yep. Top five. So the driver who is dock blocked this week is one we've talked about uh, very, 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 like a lot, like very strongly. We've, we've, we've talked about it. He has a very interesting situation where he could race for the win or he could race for points. And that's Martin Trix Jr. Mm. Incredible racer at Sonoma. You could get your second win. There's a real chance I could have double the amount of career wins of Daniel Hemrick. (laughs) Oh, man. I got uh, my random fancy racer this week. It's the first time I've gotten a clunker all year. I got the 78, which I don't even know who's racing that damn car. Uh, Scott Heckert. Yeah, Scott Heckert. So, shout out Scott Heckert. Yeah, let's go. Maybe he'll, uh, you know, avoid some carnage and finish 25th. Be a good day for him. Would be. Um, but yeah, who's your who's your pick to win? Man. Ah, <laughs> uh, this one's so tough. This one's so tough. I'm going to go with Kyle Busch, um, but I don't like it. I don't like the pick. I think there's a very good chance one of the two-time winners this year wins, but I'm going to go with Kyle Busch. I just think he's better here than Chase Elliott over uh, over a larger sample. And also in this car, I think it, it equalizes Elliott and Kyle Busch more. Whereas like we know Elliott had like road courses figured out for a while there. A lot of that was a setup advantage and they admitted they had. And it feels like even though Elliott finished fourth at Circuit of the Americas, he didn't have a fourth place car. He had maybe a, at best a sixth place car. He was 10th in green flag speed in that race. Yeah, he definitely was stronger at the end of the race. And so I'll give him credit for that. They came on strong at the end. So I think maybe I can give him credit for like a sixth place car. I guess it's weird that I'm saying Kyle Busch, but the guys, they've like, I also feel like Circuit of America was at the point in the year where Joe Gibbs hadn't really figured everything out yet. JGR. Uh huh. And the Toyotas hadn't figured everything out yet, but now they have. And so there's a little changing dynamic there as well. So um, I'm going to go with Kyle Busch, but I don't like the pick. I think <laughs> I think there's a very good chance one of the two-time winners becomes a three-time winner. I'm going to go the opposite direction. And I'm going to say Martin Truex Jr. gets his first win of the year at Ooh. Sonoma. And and Doc Block gets his and Roto Doc gets his second win. That's the year. That's the main reason I'm picking him because I want to see that. <laughs> That'd be incredible. All right, if that happens, what 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 pay scheme is he in this weekend? I don't know. Um, He's in the Bass Pro. All right, if that happens, I'm buying a Bass Pro trucker hat or something. Which you know, speaking of paint schemes, he was in the Reesers car last week, and yeah. I made a tweet that you know that car never does good. Like it always has issues. And then, you know, Truex is out there, <clears throat> led 42 laps, finished sixth. So yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe we're going to see Bass Pro back in victory lane. I don't know. So, you know, the the driver that won me my first ever random fantasy race, and, and you know this because you saw me in person a week or two ago, I have two shirts of his, Alex Bowman, right? Mm hmm. So. I got the uh, the win from the backing into the win at Vegas. 
my hometown, Vegas, like the city I love, getting me my first random fantasy win, Alex Bowman, and the t-shirt made out of it. Obviously, I had to wear that. And then also I have the hack one from the, the Denny Hamlin brouhaha. So if, if Truex wins this weekend, I think I'm going to have to buy some Truex merch, Bass Pro Shops Truex merch, just in time for him to retire. <laughs> yeah, I still think that's happening. Uh, I do too. But, but Bowman, though, is there value there at him at 30 to 1? He might be the only driver we haven't even mentioned this week. Um, at 30 to 1? Is that where he is? Yeah. He has yeah, a couple top 10s to here at Sonoma. Uh, yeah, but they're ninth place finish. Like he feels like one of those guys where he'll finish like tenth or ninth here, and if it's a surprise. He might finish like fourth or fifth. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's not uh-huh. quite the same as like Charlotte Roval, where he's had a couple seconds or thirds. Um, this is just so much more, like I said, technical. Uh, road course racing technique matters here so much that I think <laughs> it's just not a week I can get on Alex Bowman and. That's not to say I don't like him. Obviously, I do. He's one of my favorite drivers in the series, just from a who I like standpoint. But I don't think this is the right situation for him. My model only gives him a 2.2% chance to win, which is certainly below what you need for 30 to 1 odds. Yeah, I was just throwing it out there. It kind of just stuck out to me a little bit, just with how fast he was at Coda. Um, yeah. But I might look at dumping somebody on him top five or top 10 or something. I, don't even, I think I don't a top 10 bet, you know, depending on what FanDuel puts out there, because that's where he's longest of all the books for outright is FanDuel. I think a top 10 could be in the cards. And uh, while we have it here, let's see what his top 10 percentage is. It's about 40%. So you'd need plus 150 per my model to break even on a top 10. I always forget that FanDuel even has top 10s. Yeah, usually they post it. They're, they vary. Sometimes they post it like with their top threes, and sometimes they wait a couple days, and sometimes they don't even get to it until the weekend. Like, let's talk about let's talk, uh, one more topic before we we sign off here. Let's talk about sports books and what they're doing NASCAR because it's all over the place. It's not consistent week to week. Uh you know, DraftKings has been doing the poll winner the last few weeks, but they dropped things like top twenty. They don't have top 10 right now. Uh, They don't have as many props as they used to. Uh, Like what, what would be, obviously I think ideal for everybody would be have as many bets as possible for all the books. But like, if you could have an ideal sports book that didn't have like every possible bet in the history of humanity, what would your ideal sports book look like for NASCAR? As far as offerings, just yeah, overall, just offerings and, and timing of them and stuff like that. I I actually really like the head to heads with positions mm-hmm. that DraftKings had earlier this year. That was like I didn't bet. I don't think I bet any of them. I might have bet one or two, but I just thought it was a cool idea. Like I I liked it. Um, let me tag in here because yes, I'm a hundred percent on board with that head to head matchups. Head to matchups was position differential, but also. Yeah. I want finishing position props over under on finishing position. Yes. Which book will give that to me? I will give you all my business. <laughs> the book that does that, I will give all my business. 
Caesars did that for the Daytona 500. And I went five of six on those. That would be awesome. Yeah. Um, And I would love even more so. They didn't let me do this, but I would love if books would allow you to round robin those. Mm hmm. Ugh. Like, how is it not? And it's funny because station casinos in the Vegas area, uh, a smaller group of casinos, used to have a lot of over-under finishing positions. Not a lot, like, per week, but, like, they'd have four or five every week. Three or four. Maybe five. They stopped doing those. Like, why did books, and it wasn't just stations. I think Westgate had them. But, like, why did books stop doing this? It's, like, the most basic bet you could make most basic offering you could have is finishing position over unders. The, yeah. I, we need to start our own sports book and just like, unless, unless uh, people were getting confused on, you know, what's over and what's under. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it's Call pretty better simple, or worse. Do you finish better yeah. than three and a half or worse than three and a half? Right. Like, yeah, <laughs> but no, you're right about over under like finishing first on a, five and a half means you finished under, but you also did better. So that's almost yeah. like the under, but you did, you went over on the expectation. So I understand mm. that terminology being confusing, but just call it like, you know, better or worse than five and a half. I don't know. Figure something out. There, there's ways to make it. So it's understandable, but this is the most basic bet the sports book should be offering. And, and I'm also with you on the position differential, right? Like, Denny Hamlin versus Ross Jastain minus one and a half position difference or whatever. Mm-hmm. Those, those should like, they're the basis of like NFL of NDA of whatever, you know, spreads like driver spreads, driver finishing positions, right? Like we have, like we have point props for uh, basketball or, or football, like yardage props, finishing position prop, right? Over under five and a half. Just, it's so easy to offer. It's so easy. Hi, I, I'm not saying hire me because I work for Action Network and I'm here to help all of the people who follow us on Action Network beat these kinds of props. Like hire somebody to offer those so I can beat you at those. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I don't it, – it's always so weird because it feels like like with football and the big sports, they're just constantly adding and keeping a ton of props. Whereas NASCAR, they go through and they eliminate some, they add them back. They like I, I don't I don't get why we don't get the same thing every week. Like top twenties were hot last year, and then I get it. You don't like they probably got their ass kicked on top twenties, mm-hmm. and then nobody was betting them anymore. But still, like I don't know why you w- still wouldn't offer them. Get better at them instead of taking them away. If you're getting your ass kicked, figure out why. Keep offering them. Make those lines better. Like, that's what, unfortunately, Circa only pretty much offers to win, group, and a couple matchups, like every other book does. But if Circa had the manpower and the, the audience to want to offer these things, they could, and they would. And they're the type of book that's not going to be like, well, now I'm going to limit you to $1.50 on these bets. What they'll do is they'll take the sharp better's bet and adjust the line accordingly because the sharp better bet it. That's yeah. what a good book does. and. I wish NASCAR had a bigger following, a bigger audience, because we would see more of these awesome bets. But I feel like if somebody started a damn book out there just for NASCAR, 
a NASCAR-focused sportsbook, plugged it to the NASCAR audience and the sportsbook, you know, and the sports betting audience as the place to go for NASCAR. They could do awesome things. Um, it just doesn't exist out there, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. There, there just it, aren't the right offerings. Yeah, and they're while books are getting somewhat better, then they also at the same time usually take two steps back. Like yep. they'll go two steps forward, two steps back. It's we're kind of just at the mercy of where it is right now, and it's kind of just what we deal with, I guess. I don't know That's, if some of this comes on NASCAR's end. Um, I'm not part of discussions like that or anything, but I know um, at least like some of the, the crazier offerings for like the all-star race. I think NASCAR worked with some sports books potentially to say, this is things that could be offered, but like, man, NASCAR, if you're listening, help us get more of these very easy prop bets, basic bets that we could have that other sports have. They're the same bets. Mm -hmm. Other sports have. We just need to apply it to our sport because, because they're they're they would produce enough volume. This books would make enough off of uh, you know the juice, uh, and and it would be good for everybody. Yeah, because you know why I'm watching a 35 to seven blowout NFL game is because I have the over and I need another score. People are going to watch the races more the more they can bet on these things and put some money on it. Oh yeah, or you know, in college football, you're sweating the twenty-three and a half point spread, even though the game's, you know, a twenty-four point game. <laughs> yeah, the final yeah. minute. <laughs> that exactly. would get people watching NASCAR longer as well. Like, obviously, people love to see the end who wins, but like, you know, if you're sweating Brad Keselowski versus Kyle Larson, ten position differential, and and Keselowski's fourteenth and Larson's fourth, all or ten and a half position differential. All of a sudden, you got interested in the end of that race, even if your driver's not winning the race, right? So, mm-hmm. mm, just opportunity like, here for NASCAR, opportunity here for the sports books, and an opportunity for us betters, you know. Yeah. Well, just like Martinsville last year, my my, I've never watched a race harder than than watching Ryan Blaney, Ryan Blaney in those final three laps, finishing eleventh. Oh, I'm going to be watching William Byron so hard this weekend. This is my biggest bet of the year: is the Byron Top Chevy. Again, because of Kelly Criterion, it just says this is the biggest edge I've had all year. And I didn't make it just off my model. I made it off my model, off Jim's model, off DraftKings saying it should be 8-1. to one. It's like... Off of just basic common sense. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so it's just basic common sense. Yeah, I mean, you saw the tweet I made about the driver's stats at road courses. Like, Byron was third in, like, average stats at road courses. So, yeah. Biggest bet of the year. I'm sweating Willie B. I like that, though. I like that bet. Hopefully. I don't, I don't feel bad about the bet, even if he crashes out on lap one. I don't feel bad about the bet. Well, he's not Jordan Jinx this week, so I don't know if that'll happen. As we say with NASCAR betting, you bet speed. And as we say as betters in general, the best you can do is get closing line value. Everything else there is uh, left up to chance. Yep. Yep. All right. That's going to do it for us this week. Uh, Sonoma on Sunday, and then we have a week off, so we probably won't do an episode next week. Um, And then we'll be back for uh, Nashville. Nashville, yeah. And that's when uh, this is the final race this week uh, for Fox. So 
we should be getting a better overall visual broadcast after this week, but then we'll have Rick Allen in the booth. So it's kind of a trade-off there. But I'm not sad to see Fox leaving. Like They've just completely been awful all year so they've been bad for a few years but honestly this they've met they they melted in from the start this year and this has been the worst it's ever been for fox and that includes surviving some of Darrell waltrip's last years in the commentary booth there he honestly was pretty good the first several years but just kind of went downhill as he got older and that's not his fault like i mean he's a great guy just and it now has just turned into a damn comedy show and not in a good way yeah i I don't know what the contract situation is, but like, I like I feel like this is what you do if your contract's about up and you're not going to renew it. Yeah. Like, I a lot of races this year, I felt like the producer has been a college intern, mm-hmm. and they're just trying to get experience. Like, it's been that bad. So, yeah, yep. looking forward to a week off from NASCAR, not having to worry about it, and then of course getting to NBC, and, and then I'm Allen. just. Yeah, I'm just gonna have to mute my TV, but that's fine. Um, I, I do production. like, yeah, I like I like NBC's production overall. So good luck this week at Sonoma DFS betting wise, and we'll talk to you in a couple weeks with Nashville second race there. See you guys.